obstructed, experience points to an almost certain overflow through some other part of the nature. Partial conversion is almost always accompanied by such moral leakage, for the pent-up energies accumulate to the bursting point, and the last state of that soul may be worse than the first. In the last place, religion does not consist in negatives, in stopping this sin and stopping that. The perfect character can never be produced with a pruning knife. Three, but a third protests. So be it. I make no attempt to stop sins one by one. My method is just the opposite. I copy the virtues one by one. The difficulty about the copying method is that it is apt to be mechanical. One can always tell an engraving from a picture, an artificial flower from a real flower. To copy virtues one by one has somewhat the same effect as eradicating the vices one by one. The temporary result is an overbalanced and incongruous character. Someone defines a prig as a creature that is overfed for its size. One sometimes finds Christians of this species overfed on one side of their nature, but dismally thin and starved looking on the other. The result, for instance, of copying humility and adding it on to an otherwise worldly life is simply grotesque. A rabid temperance advocate, for the same reason, is often the poorest of creatures, flourishing on a single virtue and quite oblivious that his temperance is making a worse man of him and not a better. These are examples of fine virtues spoiled by association with mean companions. Character is a unity and all the virtues must advance together to make the perfect man. This method of sanctification, nevertheless, is in the true direction. It is only in the details of execution that it fails. 4. A fourth method I need scarcely mention, for it is a variation on those already named. It is the very young man's method, and the pure earnestness of it makes it almost desecration to touch it. It is to keep a private notebook with columns for the days of the week and a list of virtues with spaces against each for marks. This, with many stern rules for preface, is stored away in a secret place and from time to time, at nightfall, the soul is arraigned before it as before a private judgment bar. This living by code was Franklin's method and I suppose thousands more could tell how they had hung up in their bedrooms or hid in locked fast drawers the rules which one solemn day they drew up to shape their lives. This method is not erroneous, only somehow its success is poor. You bear me witness that it fails, and it fails generally for very matter-of-fact reasons, most likely because one day we forget the rules. All these methods that have been named, the self-sufficient method, the self-crucifixion method, the mimetic method, and the diary method, are perfectly human, perfectly natural, perfectly ignorant, and as they stand, perfectly inadequate. It is not argued, I repeat, that they must be abandoned. Their harm is rather that they distract attention from the true working method and secure a fair result at the expense of the perfect one. What that perfect method is, we shall now go on to ask. 1. The Formula for Sanctification A formula, a recipe for sanctification. Can one seriously speak of this mighty change as if the process were as definite as for the production of so many volts of electricity? It is impossible to doubt it. 
Shall a mechanical experiment succeed infallibly and the one vital experiment of humanity remain a chance? Is corn to grow by method and character by caprice? If we cannot calculate to a certainty that the forces of religion will do their work, then is religion vain? And if we cannot express the law of these forces in simple words, then is Christianity not the world's religion, but the world's conundrum? Where, then, shall one look for such a formula? Where one would look for any formula? Among the textbooks. And if we turn to the textbooks of Christianity, we shall find a formula for this problem as clear and precise as any in the mechanical sciences. If this simple rule, moreover, be but followed fearlessly, it will yield the result of a perfect character as surely as any result that is guaranteed by the laws of nature. The finest expression of this rule in Scripture, or indeed in any literature, is probably one drawn up and condensed into a single verse by Paul. You will find it in a letter. The second